everyone. Thank you for tuning in again to the Never Broke podcast, um, where our goal and our intention here is to show you as many different ways to make money and to live the life of your dream and to obviously to never, ever, ever be broke. Um, my co-host today again is Miss Holly Reed. Hi, everybody. Thank you for being here again, Holly. And um, our special guest today is Craig Garrett. Hello, how are you doing? Good. And Holly's going to introduce you, but I have to say I'm really excited about you being here. I've been in the music industry 20 years, so I can't wait to hear what you're going to talk about today. Me too. Yes. <laughs> no, you He's guys have, have a lot in common. Definitely. So our special guest today is an Atlanta native, Craig Garrett. He is the managing director of Next Level Events. Um, they do concert management, talent acquisitions, and curated experiences. So we had a pre-conversation before the camera started rolling and we asked, what do you really like to be called or how would you really describe everything you do? Because initially I would have said, oh, he's a concert promoter. But Craig was like, no, 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 that's, that's far <laughs> too limiting. Oh, no. Would you please call me a producer? And so we're here with producer Craig Garrett. And Craig, just give us a little feel of what all a producer is responsible for. Well, I like your version of the, how that story went, but sure, <laughs> I'll tell you exactly. Um, so for me, uh, we generally refer to me as a producer because when you think of a promoter, you think of the person just doing the advertising, yep. you know, putting up signs around time, buying space or ads uh, or ad buys on the radio. And really for me, I control the whole thing. So everything from the contract negotiation with the artist management team, um, renting the venue, all the advertising, social media, lodging, logistics, catering, everything, moving them around. So for me, it's 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 a it's a holistic perspective. So everything that you see at any given event, I touch, versus just someone had planned the event and then I'm I'm promoting it. Yes, that's a lot of moving pieces. It is. And so tell us about your journey, because obviously you did not start off as a producer. So um, tell us a little bit about how you got there. Yeah, so my journey is really interesting in the fact that I never intended to be in the music business. Never was on my radar, with the exception of people saying, what was your dream job? I was like, oh, I'd love to be Prince's guitarist. Right. But that's really <laughs> the only thing that I've ever thought about being do in the music. Do you play the guitar? I do a little bit. Not enough to be in his band, but... Okay. Right. Really, Holly? He can um, dream. He can dream. Exactly. Right. right. <laughs> uh, so I'm a, I'm a mechanical engineer, formally trained, worked in corporate America, uh, doing engineering, operations management, supply chain management. I ran manufacturing plants for a long period of time. Uh, went into consulting for a little period of time uh, in that same type of arena. Right. And all the while, I was doing events on different scales for my friends, my family, just for myself. Because yeah. if I wanted to, nobody was doing it. I wanted to do it. I just did it for myself. Just for fun. Just for fulfillment. Fun. Yeah, just right. for fulfillment. Right. For, my, for myself, for my personal satisfaction. Right. Um, and then over time, things just kind of grew. And really, I think the main catalyst, I was actually on a trip uh, in Nicaragua on the side of a volcano, and I was having one of those epiphany moments, like, what do I want to do with my life? Like, what are the things that I want to create for me at this point in my life? And I had this idea to do this supper club. It was a four-course kind of fine dining meal really intimate 50 people max uh, followed by an intimate musical performance with local musicians and this was October when I had the idea or November I had the idea we launched the first one Valentine's Day weekend 
two months or three months later. And that was in 2014. And so had you already exited corporate America at that time? You were still in both worlds? I was still in both worlds at the time. I was literally on vacation. Okay. Um, sitting on the side of a, a volcano with my friend, and he was writing stuff, and I was just talking to myself, literally just talking out loud, just kind of throwing ideas out. And I came up with this idea. And I started, I was on the side of a volcano literally trying to get a signal to text my partner uh, in this venture, Hopeton Hibbert, uh, Chef Hopeton. Uh, I got this idea. Right. I want you in on it. Will you come in and, and, and be the food portion of this experience? So I'm literally hanging off a volcano trying to get a signal so I could get text to him. And he's like, what are you doing? You're on vacation out the country. I'm like, we've got to do this. And that was, I think, the real catalyst how I got into music. Because through that, I'm working with a lot of musicians local ones and some of them they may be local musicians but the artists they play with from michael jackson madonna tony braxton you know these these are their musicians that i'm working with right um and it just kind of grew and it next thing i know had an opportunity to uh do a concert with jose james next thing i know we're doing a sold out show for uh well it ended up being a sold out show for foreign exchange and then it just grew and then really where it, it took off i had an opportunity to do layla hathaway's album release show last year in October nice. uh, and I didn't believe it there I got a phone call from my, my, my partner at the time he was just doing it for fun he called me and said hey we got a call from Layla Hathaway's team they wanted they want you to do the album release and I was like yeah whatever right nobody knows us right uh, right right so he called back again he's like no they want to do it I was like yeah okay whatever so I said set up a meeting he said okay so he called me and said next Tuesday they want to meet I was like yeah whatever so I get on the call, we're talking to, it wasn't her, her her attorney, but it was somebody connected to her team. We're talking, I'm going through it like, yeah, this is all real. We get off the phone, I was like, yeah, that's that's not real. Then they said, okay, I got a ma- another message saying, her attorney wants to talk to you next week. I was like, yeah, whatever. Nice. And I got the email, and I was like, oh, this is real. This is the real deal. Um, and then we had a great experience. We did her album release, two sold out shows, Center Stage Theater, and then ultimately she won her third Grammy for, uh, for one of the songs on that album. And... Uh, Fortunately, she had a great time, uh, and I'm independent myself now, and I got a chance to bring her back this year. We again had two sold-out shows here in Atlanta, but that was actually the end of a tour that I had to take her on. I didn't have to take her on, that I took her on. Then we started in Savannah. We did three show, three cities. We did uh, Savannah, Macon, and then Atlanta, and it was a great experience. That's awesome. And so when did you actually leave corporate America? When did you say, you know, deuces, I'm out for real? Uh, that was April of last year. So April, I think it was like April 14th, something like that. Congratulations. I know. Thank you. Well, I'll be honest. It wasn't by my choice. Right. I got a <laughs> phone call. I thought I was going to a meeting and ultimately like, oh, we're laying you off. I was like, oh, okay, well. And well, I thought I was going to take the summer off. Literally, I was going to take the summer off and travel People that know me, I, I love to travel internationally. I figured I'd just travel for a few months. I'd come back in the fall and get a job. And as this is going on, this Layla Hathaway thing is starting to develop. Right. So, so my personal advisors were all like, yeah, just let's, let's think about what you're going to do before you go back into this. We had the Layla Hathaway shows. They were phenomenal success. Talked to my advisors. They were all like, don't, don't go back to work. Mm. Keep, keep doing this. People love what you do. People love the experiences that you create. Do that. And I struggled with it. I went to South Africa for a, basically a month, and I sat on my friend's couch. I read that about you. And uh, I literally did nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was gone away, and I sat by his poolside on a couch on his veranda, and uh, I thought and I thought, and I came back. And then in January, I was like, it's, it's, I'm going to do this full time. Awesome. So was it a true, like, hustle decision? Like, I'm going to make this work 
no matter the cost, all my eggs are going into this basket. This is what I'm doing full time. Yeah. Yep, I, I, I remember the actual moment. My friend has a nice little pool outside of his house, and he's got these huge birds. I don't know what they were. It's a South African, just very odd-looking bird. They kept diving in his pool. It was a little aggressive. And all of a sudden, they both they all left, and I just sat there by myself. And I remember uh, thinking, oh, that's strange. Why, why is this moment of clarity coming about? And I just said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it. Sent a message to my sister and said, uh, I'll be back in a week. I decided I'm coming home, and I said, this is the plan. It was. It was. I don't want to say it was that simple. I mean, there was a lot of thought. There were several weeks up to that point. Right. But that moment, I remember. I just sent a message. I'll be back. And I flew home, got on a plane, and when I got back, it was all in. And so, what was your initial investment? Did you, you know, since you were in transition, so did you do the formal business plan and say <laughs> I need to allocate these funds, or you're like, you know, I'm just gonna figure it out? Absolutely not. I did it absolutely all the wrong way. And I say that I did. I, I started a business plan after the fact, but when I came back, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I'm a saver. I had some money put away. Uh, fortunately, because I save and I'm very, I live a very frugal lifestyle. Um, I had great credit, also. Okay. So in addition to the cash on hand that I had, uh, I had the ability to borrow at a very favorable rate when I needed to, which I tried to avoid. Right. Uh, but really, it was personal savings. And I wouldn't say I always say it's the best approach. Um, and I originally was going to go raise funds because I had done all these uh, smaller events throughout time. And people were like, oh, if you ever get serious, let me know. I'd love to invest. I'd like to, right. and, I'll, and there's two parts to that. One, I don't want to lose anybody else's money. I, losing my own money hurts, but losing somebody else's money is like really painful for me. Absolutely. The other thing is I don't want to give up control. And unfortunately, when people invest money, a lot of times, regardless of what the agreement might be, they still either verbally have an expectation of some type of input. And if you've ever been to one of our events, I, I like to have control over every aspect of it, how the, with the experience is, everything from who's the artist, what's the signage look like, where the placement of the voter registration table is outside. Right, because it all matters. It all matters to right. me. Because we're about experiences. It, our company's about experiences. Yeah. Yes, the concerts is the part that everybody knows right. or the other the different experiences that we have. But for me, it's really about an experience. I want people to come and walk out and be like, that was amazing because of this. And it's also, the artist is important for them to have a great experience. So, you know, I don't do generally buyouts for food. And you know, I have a chef that comes in right. and we cater it. And I try to get them the best hotels that we can afford from their transportation. Everything's probably just a little bit kicked up than what they're used to. It all matters. And, and, for, and, and people have said that. when they, One of the reasons we come back to you time and time again is because we love how we're treated by you. You know, it's funny that you just said that because I was at a meeting at the radio station, you know, before this podcast, and I was telling someone, although I'm a CPA, my real job is to create memories. Right. And so that's your job. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's about the experience and what people are going to take away with them for a lifetime. Right. Mm -hmm. You want people five years you know, from now to hear a Layla Hathaway song, be like, oh, my God, do you remember when we were at this album release? It was so amazing. Yeah. People will carry that with them forever. That's great that you said that a uh, little shameless plug in Macon. People are going to have that experience because we snuck Esperanza Spalding into Layla's background singers. Wow. And so for about two minutes, 
Esperanza is just singing. Right. Wow. No lights are on. Nobody knows she's there. And then Layla introduced her. And the crowd went bananas. Right. Yeah. And, and afterward, everybody was like, I'll never forget, forget that, that moment. Yep. We came to see Layla. Right. And then Esperanza comes on stage. And then they had this whole thing. And for me, that's a highlight. And again, no that's a whole experience for me that people are going to remember that 20 years from now. No like, question. That was one of those moments like all the things in the world lined up. Um, so yeah, so for me, it's all about the experience. That's awesome. So when you got started, did you have a certain kind of event in your mind? Like what exactly what you wanted to do? Because I'm just thinking about people who may be interested in this. So people mm-hmm. who may consider themselves, you know, excellent at putting on events. They also love music. Yep. They also have these connections, whether it's the food and the transportation. Mm-hmm. And they can actually see themselves pulling something off like this. But what, what kind of advice would you uh, give? And I'm, this is, again, going back to the financial investment. How specific was your event kind of mapped out in your mind or on paper um, to know kind of what you would need, how much you would need to borrow, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, when I got on a plane, uh, I flew back, and it's a long flight back from South Africa, uh, because I had a spreadsheet out. And I I knew at that point what I had in the pipeline of just things that we were going to work on or things that I had out there. Uh, So for me, I actually created a budget for just what I already know we're going to do in that year. And then I looked at that number and compared it to the amount of money I had in my bank accounts, and I figured out what the difference was. Unfortunately, there wasn't much difference. Like, there was no difference. I didn't need to. Now, I used my leverage and buying power to not use my capital, but I used it very strategically. Like, I knew that I could buy certain things on day one using my, my leverage, my lines of credit, but on day 27, I was going to have the cash to pay it back. Pay it back right. So. I, I wasn't using my own cash. I was continuing to build my credit by borrowing, paying it back on time, et cetera. Um, but I did have a plan. So I, I, I laid out a three-year plan, and it was a very aggressive three-year plan that I wanted to do. Uh, and back to, I think, what your original question was, what was my kind of what was the thing that I wanted to create? Ultimately, it was a music festival. I, I love the standalone concerts, and those are amazing. I mean, I just, I, I'm a fan. When the show starts, right. You'll see me out in the audience in the seat. You might usually you'll see me on the side of the stage. I'm a fan first, right. period. Um, but I wanted to create a music festival, and I wanted to create a music festival that incorporated the things that I loved, which were great live music, amazing food. Yeah, those were the things. New food, music. Sorry, the third part was the wine. The wine. Okay. I, I, I don't drink, so okay. that's the part that threw me. It's three parts, so it's <laughs> music, food, and wine, um, and those two things kind of go together, but the wine doesn't resonate personally with me and now that you've um, been formally in business for a couple of years mm-hmm. have you recouped your initial investment uh well it's i guess theoretically you'd probably say yes um but i'm always investing so it's it's it's, it's hard to it's really just, say you're just turning over the money i'm, I'm tr- it's, it's you guys know this it's a cash flow game mm-hmm. so while one event is done i've Explain got five the cash flow game because this is really obviously this is for us but this is really for people who admire what you do and they really want to do what you do there's so much attraction to the entertainment industry right. the music industry and um, everybody thinks they can do it yeah yeah <laughs> and, 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 and you know Again, I'll be honest with you guys. Part of the reason that people deal with me is because I'm not your typical promoter where, you know, a lot of guys will be like, I'm going to create this event, put it all on, but I'm going to borrow cash against sales. Right. 
and that's a recipe for disaster because if you don't sell, and the, and the talent, the level of talent that I'm dealing with, I got to pay them before they get on stage in full. Absolutely. So there's no waiting till the night of the settlement. No. So you've got to be able to, you know, when I sign a contract, and I'll get to your the question about the cash flow in just a second. Um, when I when we uh, formally execute the contract, in less than 24 hours, I've already wired the agent their deposit, whatever percentage of the total amount it is, without fail. And that's one of the reasons I like to work with them because they know they don't have to, there's, I'm not going to do a shit. Yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, Just shut you yeah. down. Yeah. And yeah. So, and then I know like that, uh, that money is going to go out. So back to the cash flow part. So yeah. let's say on day one, I have an event that's going to generate X amount of dollars. Right. Well, that's great that I'm going to get that money, but you got to think about that. There was probably 180 days before that I laid out probably 80% of the total expenses for that show. Right. So, Radio advertising buys, posters, deposits on hotels, catering deposits, venue deposits. Before you've made a dime. Bef- long before I made a dime. Absolutely. Right. So again, so if you go back to my fake timeline on day one, I've got this event that's happening. So we'll just say Layla Hathaway concert, just to, right? Right. On day one, yes, I've got a great show. But the problem is, right before that, right after that, I'm planning out probably seven other events that I've got to put deposits down on events. Right. And I'm spending money. Oh, by the way, there's this thing called a website that I got to keep up. And MailChimp, they got monthly fees and all these other things that I have to maintain. So again, when we're talking about cash flow, you got to keep cash coming in from your events. But also, you've got to make it's it's, it's going out. So you ask the question, um, have I recouped my costs? Probably, but not really because I'm still investing. I mean, we're building out the brand. We're actually working on launching a festival in Savannah next year in the fall. Nice. So... If I look at the total sum of the events, have, have they been individually, you know, collectively profitable? Right. Yes. But there's so many other expenses from running a business from paying attorneys, you know, to review contracts, all the other stuff, deposits, Absolutely. you know, travel. One of the things that I do, again, not to talk about what Craig is, but I get on a plane. I'll go talk to agents. I'll, I just got back from L.A. because I'm going to go talk to them. Mm-hmm. That's how I get things done. Right. I'm going to sit in their office. I want to look across the face and understand what. Are you as legit as I am? Right. Uh, and, and have that business conversation. So, again, yeah, I'm investing in plane tickets. There's hotels. There's rental cars. So there's a lot of cash going in and out. A lot of cash going in and out. So, all right, let's 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 transition a little bit. Sure. So now that you've done this for a couple of years, got quite a few events under your belt, um, what do you wish that someone would have told you before you made that transition and you were fully into this? Um, my answer is probably a, a bigger perspective. Yeah, financially, I, specifically. No, I know. Okay. So I'm just thinking in my whole career, I, I wish somebody had told me, while you're aggressive at 10 to 15% when I came out of college, to put like 25% of my salary away. That's what I really wish somebody knew. But again, that's not specific to this. Right. But that would have helped me achieve not only the goals that I wanted to achieve individually before the business, the amount of money that I would have had to today would have been huge. And I look back at the things that I spent money on. Some of it was just fun, but there was a lot of waste too. I mean, just let's be real. I mean, there's money that I know I wasted right. that if I had put that aside and been as diligent with that other 5 to 10% more money, which in the grand scheme wouldn't have changed my life. Right. It would change my life now. You could have survived that easily. Absolutely. Right. You don't feel it when you take it first. 
You know, when you have that theory, you know, that philosophy of the money comes out automatically and it goes places, right. another $150 is probably not going to make a difference in your life 20 years ago. But if I had done that 20 years ago when I got out of school, when mm-hmm. I started, you know, got out of college and my first job, today over my that, life would be different. Over that period of time. And, and I save. I mean, I, right. I have a significant nest egg. Right. But just that little bit of difference that I would have, that 5% more if I had saved that, what I could really do now. So because I, cause I can't do all the shows that I want to do. I mean, I, right. I talk to enough people that I could probably have a show every week or two. Right. But remember that conversation about cash flow? It takes cash. Yeah. yeah. I don't have that kind of cash. It's so. worth the squeeze. From what we hear from um, a lot of our guests so far, that is the number one piece of advice they would give themselves. It's just make the sacrifice, even if it's just a little bit um, Make that sacrifice. It's worth the squeeze. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so fill in this blank for me. Um, I really made a good financial move when I, as it relates to your business. Oh, to the business. Next level. Oh, you're probably not going to like my answer. I started saving straight out of college. Because if I didn't save in college, I wouldn't be able to do what I'm doing now. Um, next to that, what would I say specifically now time yes. specific to the business? Um, I set up a business account and that is huge. Separate from you as separate. I, I formalized, way. I have an LLC. I have a separate business account. I have a separate business checking account. I have a separate business uh, savings account. Got separate line of credit. I got a separate uh, corporate uh, corporate credit card and it is all separate from me one that protects me personally for any disasters and two it also legitimizes my business right i have an ein that so when i deal with these agents for these stars that we're dealing with we're talking about you know they don't want my social security number they want an ein they want to see my my corporate papers they want to see a check that's coming or a wire transfer from official business. So for me, that was huge. And I didn't think it was a big deal because I've been in that life, that world of corporate America that you just do things right. But having talked to so many people that are in this entertainment business, that, are, that deal with people that want to get in and how everybody thinks they can do it. And I think everybody can, right. but they have to do it professionally. They have to do it the right I, see, way. I, don't, I tell people all the time when, the, when I get to know them in this, in this business, they're like, oh, what's your background? I'm like, listen, I'm from corporate America. I'm, I don't have a music background. So how you're engaging me is going to be how I would work in corporate America. So I send all my information in spreadsheets. There's things documented. Everything's documented. There's timelines. There's confirmations. And people, it, it blows my mind that they're blown away when I send them the stuff. Right. And for me, it's like, this Second is basic nature, stuff. Right. Yeah, like, it's basic. So it's funny. I, I spoke uh, not that long ago about my background. How did my background in engineering translate to this? And somebody said, "Well, they're not related at all." And I said, "Just the opposite." My planning, my strategic planning, like timelines. Running an event is no different than running a manufacturing plant. Yes, it's significantly more money in the manufacturing plant, but it's no different. Time, there's schedules, there's timelines, there's deliverables, and I run it the same way. So for me, a concert is no different than making cereal which I did for a long time. Right. You know, it's Hollywood. So funny about Craig's response is we're talking about separating business and personal. Mm-hmm. We're talking about having a tax ID number and a separate bank account. Yes. You know, that's funny how fundamental that is, but it changes everything. everything. Absolutely. Yep. Right. You know, now you are a real business. That co-mingling, you can't figure out what is what, what belongs to what, and it's a nightmare. And even though I take personal money out of my personal account, 
there is a very clear, there's documented transactions when I transferred money from my personal to the business. Absolutely. And at that, you know, we can separate it for the IRS or any documentation needs. But yes, having a formal business entity changed the game for me. Literally, I, I, people are amazed by me having it. I'm like, and that's important because right. a lot of times people have to backtrack and go figure it out later, which is where the mess and the confusion mm-hmm. can sometimes create issues for right. people. And you can do it so affordably. I mean, people think that you have to have all this money. You, you know, you can go to a citizens trust and open account, put fifty dollars in, just get your paperwork together. Filing with the state is very. Well, if you don't have that money to do that, you don't need to be in business probably. But the the, the cost investment is pro- less than one hundred and fifty dollars to establish your business. Yep. Right, tax do ID that. numbers free. Exactly, yeah. no you excuse. can do those online. Yeah. Um, so for folks that want to do, regardless whether you want to get in the music business or any professional business, treat it like a business. Don't treat it like it's a hobby. Because mm-hmm. if it's going to be a hobby, let it be a hobby. Right, and, and do it that. But if you want it to be a business, make it a business. Yeah. One more fill in the blank. So I really made a financial, we're going to call it a mistake, when I, as it relates to your business. Uh, Oh, that's a great question. I made so many. Early on, I probably underestimated some expenses around shows. Uh, You you don't know what you don't know. Right. You know, I'll be honest. uh, There was a very successful show that I had that we made a little bit of money. But I, we didn't make what we should have. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, when I was reconciling the books, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, that's all I made. Right. But, I, but I learned. That was a literally, I cried that night. Um, <laughs> it was profitable. I mean, we didn't lose money. But I was like, you've got to be kidding me. That's all the money that I made for this. Uh, but I learned the questions to ask. You know, you're going to make mistakes in this. Because this is also a very dynamic business. Dealing with one talent agency is very different than another one. Every artist is different. Every venue is different. Every city is different. So I just finished my first tour. Dealing with the venues in Atlanta that I know very well is very different than the Savannah venues, Macon venues. We're looking at other cities like in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Those are all different. So now you you take those learnings and all the questions that you learn from one city to the next, you just start rolling them up and you start preparing to ask questions. Um, So yeah, just not knowing what I know and taking those learnings was really important. So what about mentors? So not knowing what you know or what you didn't know, mm-hmm. did you have any mentors um, before you started the business or are you kind of, is there someone now that you kind of look to or yep. ask specific questions to? Yes, so I did not have a, I, I didn't have a music mentor. I've had mentors my entire career, thankfully, because I was in organizations like the National Society of Black Engineers and then at Northwestern, it was very important to have mentors. So mentors in my life has always been a part of who I am. But I didn't have somebody who was specific to say, hey, let me guide you down this path. Now, fortunately, over time, and I'm not shy in asking questions and looking for people to say, I, you've done this. I don't know what I'm doing. Will you tell me what I'm doing wrong? I have no problem telling people what I don't know and asking for help. Um, I've gotten a couple mentors in the music business. I've been very, very blessed. For the little bit of time that I've been in this business, the, some of the success that I've had, uh, and I'm not the most successful by any means, but especially for independent promoters, uh, but I do have a, a mentor who's actually at William Morris Endeavor, which is one of the largest talent agencies in the world. Um, their head of music actually has taken me on as a mentor to say, hey, I'm gonna help you any way I can. So it's more of just an advice. Like I send him questions. Uh, and he responds, and you know, if he's in town, we'll we'll meet. 
but I'm I'm always asking. I'll tell everybody I don't know everything, and I have no problem. You know, a lot of people like, try to posture and act like they know. That's how you get in trouble. I'm smart enough as a person and as a business person to say, here's what I don't know, and ask the questions to find out. And the things that I do know, I'm very confident about. But I don't let the things that I don't know get in my way. I know I don't know them. Or I say, there's things I know I don't know about. Can you tell me what I'm missing on here? Because this is what I do know. Yeah. And, I, and, and for me, you've got to be humble in this. You're yeah. going to make mistakes. You've got to ask people who've done it for a long time. And this is a vicious business. The music industry is vicious. And I'm only in a small segment of it. Right. And I see it. And I'm like, whoa. I see how people talk about getting eaten up and your spirit is broken. You know, for me, I'm, I'm grounded and I know exactly what I want to accomplish. I know what I'm willing to do. There are certain genres of music or artists I won't deal with. I've had people call me and say, we want to work with you. And I, I appreciate that. But that's just not in the lane that I want to. And I can make a ton of money on it, but it's not worth it to me. Um, last question in this section. I just want to talk to you about the risk. Sure. I think people don't understand in your role mm-hmm. what what that risk really means that you know you sell one ticket or 10,000 tickets your talent gets paid the same amount absolutely you have real skin in the game and so for people who are really interested in doing what you're doing can you just kind of speak to that yeah this is if you're not risk if you're risk averse this is not a business for you agreed um Mm -hmm. and and you make a great point a lot of people think they they don't realize when i signed that contract on january 14th for X amount of dollars, and it's significant, whether I sell a single ticket or a thousand, that person gets paid regardless. And because I don't know if I sell those tickets, it's not just the fee that the artist is getting paid, all the deposits for the venue, the radio ad spots. I can't be like, oh, we didn't do well, can I have that money back? That money's spent. So it's not just the artist, there's probably enough, you know, there's probably two X, whatever their fee is, is a, just a safe generalization. Right. Um, so there's a significant amount of risk. Now, it's, it's a calculated risk, too. I'm not necessarily going to go out and hire a uh, little Nook Nook and Ray Ray and put him at the Cobb Energy Center and hope that I can sell tickets. Right. I'm going to get I, I get artists that have following that I can work with, that have a product that I think people want, or I can package it with other people, and I feel like I can sell that. That's what I'll do. Um, and I know that I'll sell. And if you come to my house, people think it's all fun and, or my office, and it's like, they're looking for all the posters and signed everything. What, you, what you're going to see first are spreadsheets. That's the first thing I do. Anytime I'm offering, what's the venue? I'm putting all my costs in. Right. What's the estimated fee? All the expenses. And I'm doing a calculation on what's my break even. What's my rate of return? You know, those are the things that I'm, those, all those things that I learned back in high school and college around accounting, everything. That's, that's, the, that's what you're going to see 80% of my work on the front end is really running the numbers. And I think that's where a lot of people get in, in trouble is they don't look at the numbers. This is a data-driven business. You know, Ticketmaster, and I'm learning this, is a data machine. The data that you can get if you happen to have, say, a Ticketmaster 1 account is unbelievable. And that's how people make decisions, looking at track record, looking at spending patterns, buying patterns, looking at demographics, taking all that and aggregating them to make a, a great decision and p- compile that into a spreadsheet, that's what I'm doing. That's you know. the calculated risk. That's yeah. the calculated you, risk. You've run the numbers. Before I do anything, I've run the numbers probably 30 times. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at different scenarios. Everything from if I put them at the Renaissance, my total investment might be 2000 But if I put them at the courtyard, it's 1400 How does that change my rate of return, my hypothetical? How does it change my break even? All that, I've run that at least 30 times. I'm changing it because for me, 
that risk is huge. Right. Every dollar that doesn't get generated to the break even is money out of my pocket. Right. So for me, you know, it's no different than when I was running spreadsheets for running a manufacturing plant. I'm looking at my throughputs. So earlier you mentioned how humility is an important trait. If you had to say, I guess, what your top three traits were for someone who was interested in going into this business, what would you say? Uh, you got to have thick skin. You have, you have to be able to take no and hear foolishness that you know has nothing to do with you. I think honesty for me is just a tenet of my lifestyle or my life. Um and I'm very, I like to be transparent with people, you know, and I think that, that goes back to what I said about where I tell people what I don't know or I ask the questions to get what I need to know. Um, I think humility, you got to have a drive. You got to, you, you know what, a thirst for knowledge. I say this every other aspect of my life, and this is really important. Every event that I do, I learn something. If I don't walk away and learn something, I have failed. Forget everybody else's experience because every event is different. Even when we were on tour with Leila, every night was different. There was something that either went wrong, there was something I saw an opportunity for, I'm taking notes. You know, so people on my team are always like, you never stop. And I'm like, no, because we're trying to, I see a destination. And every experience I have is a learning. So if, you don't, if you're not always trying to learn, even on a sold out show, what could we have done differently? How could we have increased our rate of return? You know, everything, like what cost could I have cut? What could I have done differently to make sure that the artist had a, even a better experience? So for me, I'm always in that, how can I get better? How can I get better? How can, so people see it as like, yo, you never enjoy the moment. I'm having a great time. But I'm really going to enjoy the moment when the festival is what I want it to be, you know, and I can go on and do what I want to do in my personal life because I've taken care of what I wanted to do in, the, in, my, in my business life. So we're going to move into this next segment where we really want to talk directly to the people who are interested in this and what advice you would give them, okay? So my first question is, what's the hardest part about being a superstar pr producer? I would like to know what a superstar <laughs> producer is. Uh, so what I think, no, just um, one of the hardest parts is dealing with people, for me, dealing with people who don't deal in business. You know, unfortunately, and just be honest, a lot of the people that are in the entertainment industry have no background in business. Can I say amen to that? Yes. Okay. And my, and my, and my sister um, had to give me great perspective. She was like, you have to realize some of these folks' teams have grown up on their couch in cutoff shorts and a t-shirt and the world revolves around their artists and they've never done anything else. So they have no concept of the business world. So that was a painful lesson for me um, that I still learn every day. Um, a painful lesson is losing on a show when you think you plan things out and things just don't go as expected. It, I'm probably jumping ahead, but you're gonna have to give advice for people that wanna get into this. Mm -hmm. If you can't, and, and this person, my mentor, who's the head of music at uh, William Morris, um, he said, if you can't stomach losses, get out of this business now. Mm. You're not gonna make money on every show. You're going to lose on some shows. And if you're not prepared to take a loss, and I don't mean a couple hundred dollars, this is not a business for you. If I showed you some of the losses that I've experienced, you would understand that, oh, okay. Now there's upsides to that too, and hopefully you know, when the aggregate comes out in the wash, it's more in the black, or at least it's zero. Um, but individually, some shows lose money, it's just the reality. 
So having said that, would you go into a show knowing that you would make you would have a loss, but maybe it's a great reputation, you know, check? Yeah, we're gonna. You, you asked about being honest earlier. Yes, um, I didn't go into a show with the intention of losing money. I continue with the show losing money because it was great for the brand. Mm-hmm. And what I'll tell you was Shaka Khan. We did Chaka Khan in August of this year, and about three weeks before our show, I don't want to say it was her because I know it was her, her manager who was her sister at the time, announced that they were both going to rehab. The whole announcement was botched. <laughs> it was terrible. It was, it was a disaster. <laughs> three weeks. Three weeks. So because I happen to have a Ticketmaster 1 account, I'm watching my daily sales. Oh, my. And the announcement came out on Saturday mm. in California friend of mine texts me Sunday morning I'm, I'm getting ready to go to church I see the I get a text saying do you know about this I'm like no so Sunday the announcement makes the news Monday it's national news I see my ticket sales go zero 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 I could have pulled out but I saw it as an opportunity one uh, for the business because you know you don't get to work with icons at this point in your career very often you know I'm blessed I mean yeah. I got to work with Shaka yeah. um I was gonna be her first show back after rehab. So I saw it as an opportunity to spin this to try to recoup as much money. I could have backed out and you know tried to negotiate or have to sue, which we wouldn't have got to that point. Um, but I knew I was gonna lose money, or at least at best break even. Wow. But for me, it was a great experience because I got to one work with a legend. Um, it was a phenomenal show. It was, it was an experience that she'll never forget. Um, if you see the video of her, she got emotional on stage when we were we presented some stuff to her. Um, I knew that, that at that point, to continue, I was probably not gonna make money. But for me, it was big for the brand. You know, people knew in Atlanta next level, but you know, we did some really interesting things. We didn't have access to Shaka, she was in rehab. So we made some phone calls. So we reached out to city councilman, so Andre Dickens, Caesar, Quans, they all made videos. Put a call into Usher. Usher did this great video for us. Wow. Right. You know, as a, it, all of it was all in, it was about relationships because they all loved Shaka and understood what she was going through. And we were able to say, listen, we want to do this for her in Atlanta. We want this to be special. Monica Kaufman or Monica Pearson now, right. she did a great video. Nice. The singer Monica. So again, I had to be creative mm. to get people to, you know, to try to overcome this mountain of bad news that I had to become. So that's why I knew I wasn't going to make any money on, but it was So what did you do with the videos? Did you air them at the performance? No, no, so we we you use were sending them we, to we use them for social media. Okay, social media. So so okay. because we didn't have we couldn't so do interviews. Promote, right, so we used them you. so people were it was it was basically a welcome yes, Shaka Atlanta is, you know, Atlanta is embracing you on your return to the stage. Yes, right. You know, well, without saying you're at, first out of rehab. <laughs> it was more of, hey, Atlanta's welcoming you, so come. So we use that on social media. We had different partners put them up uh, to try to overcome because most people thought she wasn't coming. She wasn't coming because it was because it was mm-hmm. it was handled so poorly. Yeah. I mean, it would it, it didn't make sense the announcement. Like it didn't make sense. It's confusing, um, and that's a long story to say. Yes, I've gone into a show, no one, but it was a brand builder. Yeah. yeah, and people, I got more calls from people in the industry saying. We saw what you guys did with the videos to welcome Shaka back. That was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea. And it saved us. I mean, mm-hmm. I had to spend more money, obviously, to cut new ads that, you know, to undo stuff. Um, but I didn't have Shaka to do to do PR. Right. 
So we did it, and it was a great experience. And I got to spend time with Shaka Khan. <laughs> I got to literally drive her around. She jumped out and went in a subway. Talk about a funny story. I'll, I'll tell you that on another day. So for someone, again, who has this dream or vision to mm-hmm. do what you do, what are some of the initial steps to get in the game? Never produce the show, never yep. produce the concert. Yep. I would say don't do what I did. I would say find somebody that does this and work with them. Learn as much as you can. Uh, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't be bold and go out and strike, but if you're a surgeon, you're not just going to, you want to be a surgeon, you don't start walking into the OR. You go to school, you learn, you, you, you do a, uh, a residency. Now, it's not that extensive, but I would say work around shows. Volunteer, go be a volunteer at a festival or at a concert. I've had more people come to me and say, hey, can I volunteer just to be around and learn from you? Absolutely. Though, that's important. Save some money if you can. Um, to set up your business. But for me, be around it uh, and be very clear on what you want to do. Like I said earlier in the, in the program, there are certain artists I just won't work with. It's no disrespect to them. I don't even like their music, but there are things that a, either doesn't fit the brand, Next Level Events brand, or what you've come to know as Next Level Events from our music experiences. Um, there are things that may come with putting the show on that I just don't want to be a part of. Not good or bad, it's just... Just that's not what I want right. for my brand. I'm very clear on that. And I'm clear on what I want to accomplish. So there's, the individual shows are very important and they build the pipeline. But for me, um, my idol is Claude Nobbs. And I want to be like Claude. Um, and if you don't know who Claude Nobbs is, he is the gentleman that started uh, the Montreux Music Festival. Little short guy. from He was from Montreux before you know, he grew up there. Before Montreux was what we know it is, it was a little small, sleepy town on a, on, a, on a river or a lake. And he had this idea to grow this festival. And it, now it's this huge international festival for what, two weeks. Now, I'm not saying I want to get to that level, but this guy, as a little boy in his hometown, wanted to create this festival. That's who I want to be. And, and, and so for me, trying to learn. So I go volunteer. Uh, so you'll, for example, so you might see me on stage or producing a show for Shaka Khan or Layla Hathaway, but I'm also, you'll see me going working uh, at an, somebody else's festival and I'll volunteer my time to work backline. That's all the equipment that we rent mm-hmm. uh, for the musicians. If you're not on a huge tour, you rent locally right. equipment. I'll go work in that company, I'll go work in a production company that works for me. So on Friday night, they might be working for me, and on Saturday, I'm volunteering to work for them because I wanna learn. Not because I wanna replace them, it's important for me to know what they what they're doing. One, as a business owner, I want to be able to ask the right questions so that I understand. And the other thing is, I'm, I'm not a control freak, but if they all died, I got to be able to run this thing. Right. I need to know how this works. The, Holly, the show must go on. The show must go on. <laughs> right. 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 So, again, I, and I tell them all the time, you know, and I'll go back to Shaka, I actually stood, stood with her sound engineer for about 30 minutes before the show. And I was like, tell me how, how this board works. And he looked puzzled. He's like, I've never seen a promoter or producer do this. And I was like, I just want to learn. I don't want your job. But if you drop dead in the middle of this show, get, I promise you I'll be back here. And the show will Working go on. We, now, we're going to call EMS, <laughs> and we're going to take care of you. Um, so for me, you know, volunteer, go work for a company that does this. As much, learn as much as you can to avoid some of the mistakes. Now, if you've got a ton of money and you can lose, go out and start it. But... Um, volunteering um, or getting a job working for somebody in this business is is great advice. I I think. That's my advice to you. 
And you just brought up money because that was going to be my next question mm -hmm. is, so for someone who wants to put on an event, what do you really think, how, how much money do people need to have set aside to be able to produce an event? Uh, this is a really hard question. It, it depends. You know, if you're doing a local artist, you could probably get away with two grand. Depends on the size of the show. Um, and again, not to you know, we're just being family here and being honest. Right. When you when it's all, excuse me, when it's all said and done, an event like Chaka Khan, you know, we're talking just total expenses and revenue. We're talking probably anywhere between one hundred and fifty thousand to two hundred thousand dollars in expenses. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I don't want to say writing checks for all that. I mean, it's based on ticket sales and calculations sure. and all these other things. But so it, it's relative. You know, if I wanted to go out and get Beyonce, I probably need to have thirty million in my account. <laughs> now. She's never going to be with independent promoters, but the point is, right. it's all scale. There are plenty of people that you can do. So my first events I did on a, you know money with my pocket, literally, you know, a couple hundred dollars, but that's okay. So you just need to understand the demographic, the the level of show your or event that you're trying to produce, and, and base your your budget on that. Um, you know, I walked into this kind of ignorant, to be honest with you. And I was fortunate that I picked some great talent and, you know, didn't lose my shirt. Well, and it sounded like you built relationships with a lot of the artists beforehand, mm -hmm. before you kind of transitioned to this full time. Mm -hmm. But what other kind of tools or relationships do you think people would need to be successful? So, again, being an outsider in this business and coming at it from a very different lens, uh, for me, relationship is probably 90 percent of mm -hmm. this business for mm -hmm. me. Um, the relationship from how I interact with the agents, the managers, the sound, you know, that's very important. People like to deal with me because of my business acumen. I'm very thorough. I provide details. I treat people with respect. You know, there are times that the artist or their team, and let me not be very clear, not necessarily the artist, but the people that are surrounding the shoe, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They could be dead wrong. I had a situation, I won't say any names. This person's management team was dead wrong i mean just blatantly everything was wrong about it and unfortunately you know you you smile and you just say okay we'll take we'll fix it and you you deal with it and you're able to, and then you come back later and you're able to address it because in the heat of the moment the show must go on right and the last thing you want is that artist to get to not feel right right so that it affects their performance so relationships are very important so that's why i fly out to california you know i fly out and meet with agents if i need to go to new york to talk to somebody i will it's important how you know little things what type of water they like you know or hey i really like this candy that i can only get here we'll probably have it sitting in their dressing room you know just little things so it's about the relationship because the people they trust you because this is a business that everybody wants to be around the artist yep. and for me I'm not really starstruck. You know, it was nice. Shaka was a little bit misty. I ain't gonna lie to you. Um, <laughs> misty. Yeah. I, oh, I, I listen. Yeah. I, a little misty. Yeah, I, I, got, I got a little verklempt actually. Um, <laughs> um, but it was Shaka. So, you know, for the most part, you know, I'm just like whatever. But making sure that they feel good, that they want to come back because they know I'm not trying to be up under them or, you know, starstruck and I gotta have the picture. Right. I like to get a picture, but if I don't, no big deal. But I want them to feel good about, hey, if we come to Atlanta and we're working with Craig Garrett, Next Level Events, they know what their experience is going to be, and they feel good about it. They're like, we know what we're going to get for him. We know the level of service he's going to provide us. We know security is going to be tight. There's not going to be any foolishness. The money's going to be taken care of. You know, 
in this business, a lot of times what you do is you know people think about paying the artist at the end of the show. That's not how this works. No. Mm-hmm. So for example, most of the time in, there's a clause in the contract that I must pay them before sound check. Yeah. Um, if if you're doing business with any of our clients, we actually want our money 24 hours before the show. Typically, Good. we well, won't even get on a plane. Yeah, yeah. Without it. Well, I do. do we do deposits. Right. Significant <laughs> deposits. But I'm doing the. So basically, 50 percent is at the time of signing. Right. So again, we talk about that cash flow. If you sign a, I'm talking about shows in 17. That I may be signing now. Right. They want 50 percent, and these aren't artists like local artists. Yeah. So you got to think about that. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah. So when I walk in. Usually when they're tour managers, who's the person you're going to pay before, you know, I'm like, hello, my name is Craig Garrett. If I've not met them the night before. And then the next thing is out my mouth is here is the settlement check. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't wait for them to ask me because I don't ever want them to be like, well, where's the money? Is there any? No, no. I want them to immediately know if they've not ascertained this from all the email and the communication up front. He's about business. Right. So, again, I introduce. How was your flight? Great. Here you go. Right. Here's your check. Now let's. What, what do you need? What time? You know, are we still on the run of schedule? Are the pickups the same? Do we need to change anything? That's important. Right. And people remember that. Yeah. Even to the catering. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, because people, I think, get, have had so many bad experiences mm-hmm. and have been hustled and have had Absolutely. to shake people down for money and have had to worry about um, actually getting paid. So to be able to put people uh, mind at ease and now they can just focus on the show. Right. It's a whole different performance. Not to get off t- topic, but one of the things that really shaped my experience was many years ago, Tina Marie did a show at the Civic Center and the show started really, really late. And I'll give you the short version of the story. She literally walked from the back of the auditorium up on stage with her purse on her shoulder and basically said, I want y'all to know the reason I'm not on stage is the promoter hasn't paid me my money. Absolutely. And until the promoter pays me my money, I'm not getting on stage. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that. I, I'll never forget that because you're never going to come to a next level event show right. and be like, the artist like, oh. And again, that was always in the back of my mind. Even when it happened, I wasn't thinking about doing shows, but it was such a, like this icon, this person I loved and she cut a fool, right. literally on stage. It was great. She killed it. Show. They tried to cut her short. She's like, "No, y'all were late. Um, we're not gonna cut my show short. My fans gonna get what they paid for just because right. y'all raggedy." Right. And she killed it. Um, so my point is, in the business relationship, that's the type of stuff that's really important for me is to make sure that it's about the experience. They never have to worry about the money, transportation. I send them confirmations, drivers' phone numbers, their first name. If I got to get the kid, you know, the kid's first name, whatever they need to know that everything is properly documented. They don't have any questions, and then they always have my number. So uh, I do have one more question. When you talk about relationships, so mm-hmm. if someone is a new producer in mm-hmm. this area. How are they able to build relationships with talent? Because it's like, who wants to trust their name and their brand with yeah. you know someone new? Yep, uh, and I'll be honest, it's hard. Your best bet is either one, start small and build a reputation. So work with local musicians, build a following, get content from your shows, get testimonials on your website from fans coming to your local shows. You can do all that really low budget. That or have a bunch of money. <laughs> no, no, really, hey, listen, money talks. I mean, in this, in this business, if I, if I call up whomever at CAA mm-hmm. and I want to hire their artist and I say, by the way, my offer is this number and that number is maybe like significantly over what they were looking for. Sure. And I say, by the way, I can wire the money now. The conversation goes very differently versus a cold call and mm-hmm. now it's, who are you? Why would I do this? 
you know, I caught a break. I'm, I will never lie. I caught a break with Layla. You know, somebody saw her work and came out and said, and said to her, you should work with these folks. I caught a break. Right. And, you know, I capitalized on it. Right. Yeah, and I've, I've run with it ever since. Um, but it's, it's, it's tough. It is a relationship business. And for me, you know, I think when you start to build that and that you create that experience, people talk. Musicians talk. I've had musicians call and say, you know, there's an artist that we're going to be bringing here soon. Actually, he just got the contract today. Um, <laughs> bringing him back. Um, you know, he's talked to other musicians because of the catering that we've did for them. <laughs> we had this great experience of unique food, and he's like, "Oh man, there's food." The producer, the promoter, you know, they treat us this way. Everything's handled. So then, word spreads. You know, and, and that's about the relationships. You got to treat people right. And that's for me. In that example where that person's art uh, management team was wrong. Yep. I could have. I could have bumped heads and I could have cut a fool, but no, I didn't. I was like, okay, we took, and they, people remember that. Yeah. And they'll come back and say, yep, so-and-so was wrong, or they won't acknowledge it, but you know they know. Right. And they'll be like, hey, you handled that well. It's all part of the experience. And then I'm curious, is there a follow-up that you do, that you guys will do? It depends. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I do a lot of follow-up. You know, again, everything from going out and sitting to agents' offices, I generally send a thank you you know, I, I can't give you all my secrets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there there are things literally, you know, for example, we'll talk about this recent tour with Layla Hathaway. You know, there were things that she personally experienced from the minute she landed in Savannah until the time she got off on the plane. Somebody gave her a foot rub. <laughs> she experienced some nice things along the way. Um, but again, it, I wanted it to be memorable for her. You know, right. cause a lot of times, uh, uh, you know, these, these fly-by-night promoters, and no knock on them because they were doing this long before I got in this, um, you know, they were trying. They were doing hook boogie. You know, they're trying to rob Peter to pay Paul. You know, cut corners here, and people have gotten burnt, and that's what I don't want people to experience. I want you to experience. You know, the artist to feel good. You know, the money's right. Little things yeah. along the way that so that another thing is they remember me. Yeah. Because trust me, when I see Shaka next, she well, she said something to me when she walked off stage that we did for her that she she gave me a very nice thank you. She like that was that was special, and it's little things. It wasn't anything big, but it was something very special for her. Yeah, it was private. It was it was. I, I didn't even personally give it to her. I left it in her space, and it was little, but it it was a message to her from me that's that shared some things that I think were important for her. She'll. I'm sure she won't forget that. Yeah, and when she sees me next time, she'll she'll probably acknowledge it. So, well, good stuff. So it sounds like you're on the right track. And um, we like to wrap up all of our uh, conversations with some little fun um, phrases that we want you to finish. And so oh, we'll start it off. We just, <laughs> no answer is wrong. Right. It's just whatever your opinion is or wherever your mind is or your perspective. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to kick it off with the first one, okay? You ready? No, but go ahead. <laughs> Get ready. Okay, so money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy what? Money can't buy happiness, but it can buy you freedom. Mm. I like it. Um, if I had an additional $10,000 right now, I would. Invested it in this show I'm going to announce in about two days. <laughs> Yeah, so there's, there's, well, okay. I, okay. Won't, I won't expound. Okay. 
All right, that was 10000 If you had $1 million right now, you would? I would increase the talent budget for the festival in Savannah that we're launching next year, and I would get probably three Dream Acts versus two. Oh. You said Dream Acts? Yeah. What, what's that? My dream acts that I, oh, my dream. Oh, dream acts. Yeah, dream gotcha. acts. Yes, yes. Understood. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Sorry. I know I talk fast sometimes, so you okay. have to slow down the tape. <laughs> okay. What is, hold on. What is something everyone should own no matter the cost? Specific to business or just in life? Just period. In life, whatever comes to mind. Real estate. Hmm. Love that. Love that. And then tell me, who is your money role model? Ooh, I probably have several. I think Dave Ramsey is a phenomenal role model. Um, my grandfather was a huge one. Um, he retired from the post office and you know never made a lot of money, but invested, instilled in me the principles of saving, not living above your means. Um, I don't know if I ever thought of it in that term, but he was very influential in my saving and my cooking. Uh, my grandfather's an amazing cook. I know you didn't ask about that, but sorry, I was thinking about the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I think th those, those are probably my two quick thoughts. Well, we really appreciate your time with yes. us today, Craig. And it's it was a pleasure. Extremely insightful, and um, you've been very open and honest with us today. And um, thank you for coming to the Never Broke Podcast. Well, listen, I, it was an honor and a pleasure. Keep doing what you guys are doing. This is important. Yes. And I would say, you know, I'd love to come back at some point when, you know, this thing grows. And, you know, honesty is important to me. I have no problem sharing anything that's not confidential or incriminates anybody. Uh, but I think it's important just to be honest with people. So mm -hmm. share. I don't want to blow smoke. I mean, I, I've lost money on shows. I've made money on shows. I've made <laughs> mistakes. I've had some great successes. So before we completely wrap up, yes. where can people find you? They, uh, they're interested in working with Next Level Events. Where can they find you? Or they want to know what events that you all have coming up. Absolutely. Yes. So the best place to go is to our website. It's www.nextlevelatlanta.com. Once again, nextlevelatlanta.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at nextlevelatl. That's also our Instagram. I'm, I'm building our Instagram presence. That my team has finally beat me over the head to <laughs> expand that. And then you can also find us on Facebook. We're at Next Level Events Atlanta. Um, if you just look up Next Level Events, it will come up. Those are the main ways to get me and to see what's coming up. And if you do go to our website, sign up. We send pre-sale codes out, announcements, nice. discounts. I like You should have said that from the beginning. <laughs> you got to reel them in and set the hook. Nice. So, yes. No, thank you guys for having me. It was a, it's a pleasure. And uh, I'm looking forward to your growth and helping, watching you guys help people. Because this is important, the things that you're doing here. So thank you very much. Thank you. Well, thank you again. And thank you for tuning in to the Never Broke Podcast.